Hey there, you're listening to the Only Schoolers podcast. I'm Gina Prosh and hanging out here with me as always is my co-host Kristen Edwards. Hello, welcome to the show today. We are so happy you're joining us on the Only Schoolers Sorry, Only Schoolers podcast today for episode seven. Um, we don't forget to join us after the show on Facebook or Instagram so we can keep discussing the bits that caught your attention today. You can look for only look for the Only Schoolers handle. And if you like email for visiting, our address is onlyschoolers at gmail.com. So yes, thank you so much for inviting us into your world every first and third Thursdays. And we especially want to thank everybody who keeps an ear open for us on your favorite podcast platforms like Stitcher or iTunes or Spotify. We appreciate your listening and sharing your podcast uh, with your friends. So wow, Gina, July, can you believe that half the year is already behind us? (laughs) I, I, it's all lost. Um, no. But every year, yeah, I know, right? Um, every year about this time, though, I start seeing, you know, these countdowns to Christmas six months away. And, you know, it really will be here before we know it. Um, but sparkling snow isn't what's on our mind today. In just a couple of days, there's going to be a totally different kind of sparkle among us. Fire in the sky kind. Yeah, and it's already kind of been happening. People have been shooting off fireworks uh, this past weekend. So it is fireworks, watermelon, hot dogs on the grill, all that midsummer fun of the 4th of July. When I was a kid, we were always at my Uncle Freddie's house for this big family cookout. And I was always trying to get my mom and dad to stop talking with the rest of the relatives and get in the car so we wouldn't miss the fireworks. Um, We'd stop at this grocery store parking lot on the edge of town. And from there, we could see the fireworks behind the Missouri State Capitol. So that was a big deal. Oh, yeah. We always had fireworks in my grandparents' backyard when I was growing up because there was a family birthday on the 4th of July. Um, and so it was just, oh, wow. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And you know, for the longest time, I thought that's why we had the fireworks for that person's birthday. <laughs> but, you know, then I grew up and realized, oh, no, it's something different. But now, uh, September and I just watched the display that our town puts on. And there's this one firework that I watch for every year. It's like this huge weeping willow thing is lighting up the sky. You know, but honestly, as long as there's a lot of color and sparkle, I'm happy. But I do remember one September was probably about two and a half years old, and we were up there at the Country Club watching the fireworks. We literally lived half a block from the Country Club where our town puts on the fireworks show. So we just grabbed our chairs, walked up, plopped down on the lawn, watched it, enjoy. Um, but that year, she was so tiny and so serious, and she was sitting on my lap, and she's watching the fireworks dance and dazzle in the sky. And each time, literally every single time one of them ended, she turned to me and say, maybe the next one won't be so loud, Mama. Bless her heart. (laughs) What a sweetie. Uh, I relate because... These days, we watch the fireworks at uh, my little hometown. It's this totally Mayberry scene, you know, church food stand, family and friends in the lawn chairs, backup pickup trucks waiting for the fireworks display that begins after dark. But because we're really, really close, the fireworks are kind of like a full body experience. You can feel the percussions. I'm guessing by now all of you listening are pretty clued into the fact that we've got Independence Day on the brain. There's just something about it that speaks to me as a homeschooler. Remember, homeschooling, it is absolutely positively legal in all 50 states, but each state does have different requirements for what you need to do to homeschool. And for sure, the amount of state supervision varies from place to places. Some states require testing, some don't. Some require that you notify the state, some don't. Some want you to track days, others want 
want you to track hours. Yeah, but the important thing is, as you said, no matter where you live in the U.S., you are free to homeschool your children. So for this month, with Freedom and Independence as our theme, we're doing a two-part series on how those words can transform your homeschool. So today our episode is titled Homeschool Independence, Make It Your Own. And we're going to give you our best ideas for how to create a homeschool that is uniquely yours and fits your family's needs. Then we invite you to join us again in a couple of weeks where we'll give you permission to make your homeschool make sense for you. And it might sound a bit revolutionary, but we're going to help you embrace that freedom. Everybody's story is different. And you can see that from our very first episode, we each had unique situations that led us to homeschool our kids. Some people fall into homeschooling by accident. Others decide to homeschool in the middle of a school experience. Maybe they do so for medical reasons. Um, There are parents who know from the get-go they want to homeschool their children, others who don't. So since we all come to the idea of educational independence in different ways, it just kind of makes sense that your homeschool is not going to look like anyone else's homeschool. And it shouldn't. No, it really shouldn't. I mean, we all want our children to be educated and we want to be part of the learning with them. But what that's going to look like, it's really as individual as our families are. I mean, like Gina said, just look at the two of us. And it's like my story of September and the fireworks. I mean, fireworks are designed to do one thing, right? Explode, make noise. But even though they all do that one thing, they do it in different ways. And that's what makes them unique. I mean, some are super noisy, you know, bangy, bang, bang, and some are screechers and others... Others are really quiet and they shoot up and then they erupt in this bouquet of colors and crackles. And that's like our kids. Some are screechers, some are quiet, and some are super noisy, bangy, bang, bang out in the backyard. And some of them are a big combination of all of them at any one point. (laughs) But yeah, okay. If we're looking at how you can take a stand for educational independence and make your homeschool your own, there are a few things you you need to kind of consider. So the first thing is, what are your homeschool goals? And then number two, what is your homeschool style? And number three, what is the focus for your homeschool? And if you just take some time to kind of figure out your answers to these questions, it really will help you create a unique and independent homeschool that works for your kids. So Gina, where do we start when we want to identify our homeschool goals? I mean, how did you do it? Let's see. Goals are our main thing. So what's the main thing for a whole school homeschool? Well, it's the one thing. Uh, maybe it's the two things. If at the end of the day, or maybe 18 years worth of days, as the case may be, what's the one thing that if only that one thing happens, it's okay. This one thing is enough. This is the only schoolers podcast and the program got its name from the fact that we are both homeschooling only children. Um, Another thing that we have in common is that we were both older when we became moms to our onlys. So because my husband and I are both only children, we never really planned for more than one. It was a one and done kind of thing. We also knew that there weren't any do-overs, so we really wanted to soak it all in and see where Wyatt's interests led us. Now, here's a quick aside. My husband and I are both really, really different from our parents. My mom is a total extrovert. All of my strongest memories are of her talking on the phone with her mom and her aunts and all of this kind of stuff. And as a kid, I tried to make myself not be an introvert. And that actually didn't work out so well. Um, Now, Rich's dad, he's also very extroverted. And honestly, if he enjoyed something, he thought everybody else would enjoy the exact same things he did. But turns out people are actually different. Kids are different from their parents. So Rich, he liked to 
read stories and write comic books and draw and all those kinds of things. And he really didn't care less about old cars or farming. So one of our personal goals came out of our personal experience. We knew firsthand that assuming your child would be like you, um, that's not really the road to happiness. So a goal was fostering a family relationship and enjoying the kid that we had. So I guess in the slang of the day, it's that you do you. Turns out he's a kid who loves trains and ice skating and antiques, and he likes to read nonfiction and watch documentaries. And so dealing with that became a a big goal for us. Um, How about you? How does goal setting work for you? Pretty much the same. And I think that's uh, another thing that we have in common because for us, the very first goal we had was prioritizing family time. I mean, that's the main reason that we pulled September from public school in the first place is we knew we wanted to spend whatever time that Kevin had left with us together. We didn't want to try to squeeze it in on afternoons and weekends. And, you know, it's still a huge goal for me because when you look at the time you actually get to raise your child, I mean, that that goes by really quickly. And I'm grateful that we've had this kind of slow time to be together, to build this family culture of traveling and binge watching sitcoms and movies together. Because we have so many moments now that will always be inside inside jokes for the two of us. I mean, no matter where she heads off to in four years, whether it's college or a job or whatever her plans are, I mean, sometimes it just takes one of us to say a random phrase or a quote, and we'll both be laughing our heads off because we remember or why it's so funny, basically just to the two of us. But um, <laughs> I've got to, yeah, like no one else understands what we're talking about. But I imagine that, you know, family time's got to be a goal that resonates with most homeschool families. Although again, our far, like our fireworks analogy, how that plays out is going to look really different. Oh, absolutely. So some families may want more time to be outdoors. Other people may want more time to create music together as a family or, or work together in a family business or a garden. Well, gosh, now I'm making a list of all the other things at September and I could be doing with our family time. I need to grab my spiral notebook, jot down some ideas. But seriously, after family time, when I think about why we're homeschooling, my next and probably really my only other goal is personalizing September's education. How does she learn best? What's the end game? How do we get there? I mean, this is a kid who taught herself to read when she was three and a half years old. And believe me, I tell her thank you every time I read posts on Facebook that ask for advice on how do you teach a kid to read? I got nothing. <laughs> she did me a favor. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a corner with a book and see what happens. <laughs> but, you know, it was obvious to me. <laughs> yeah, just wait. Wave your arm. I don't yeah. know what Something will happen eventually. But, you know, really, it was obvious to me that a traditional education, like in a public school setting, wasn't going to work for her. She needed time to explore these big ideas and to grow, you know, in an age-appropriate way. But she also needed time to kind of let that social and emotional side catch up to her learning side. Um, If there's one thing I've learned, it's that asynchronous development can be really tricky. So what was best for her would have been nearly impossible to do in a school setting. Fortunately, it was exactly the kind of personalized education I could provide her at home. So, okay, I just said endgame, and now I've got the Marvel Avengers on my mind. So I'm thinking how, I know I know you've seen these movies, Gina. So I'm thinking how in Infinity War, you know, Doctor Strange calculated there were 14,605 versions of the future, but they could only win at one. I'm so glad that our odds are much better than that because there's lots of ways to reach my goals. And that's the beauty of homeschool independence. There's no one way to win at homeschool. Precisely. And that is such a good point to make. There can be 
a lot of changes along the way to your goals. And any one of those changes can be successful. We are absolutely not limited in that way. So figuring out just a couple of really big goals you have for your homeschool, set aside any ideas you might have about what other people are doing in their homeschool or what a traditional homeschool, uh, traditional school environment is like. This is all about you and your family. What are those non-negotiable goals that you have? Maybe it's family time, maybe it's personalized education, maybe it's something else entirely. But in the end, it's all about asserting your independence and making your choices out of 14,605. That's a lot of choices. <laughs> a lot okay. of choices. A lot of choices. So narrow yours down. So, you know, now that we've got this goal setting out of the way, I think the next thing to consider while you're claiming your homeschool independence is to think about your homeschool style. Like Gina just said, set aside what everybody else is doing and think about what style suits your homeschool the best. So if you hang around the homeschool world for any amount of time, you're going to get so many different methods and styles of education that people are talking about. And we'll link to some articles about different things in the, the show notes. Um, maybe have some quizzes if you want help figuring out your homeschool style. But, but what if you take the quiz and the answer doesn't seem like it actually fits. So don't worry about it. Your homeschool style is the one that fits you. And it could be a combination of different ones. It could be very eclectic, like a multiple choice question when the answer is none of the above or all of the above. Oh, for real with that none of the above, all of the above situation. Because for us, that's exactly what it's been. Every time I've, and I've taken a lot of these quiz and every time I take one, I'm usually defined as eclectic. <laughs> That's a nice word. That's a nice word for scattered all over the place. It's just how I naturally approach learning. And we talked about our homeschool styles in our first episode. You can go back and listen to that one. But it's worth repeating here because I did experiment with a couple of different styles. I tried classical education. I flirted with Charlotte Mason. But, you know, ultimately, I just felt really shoehorned into a style that didn't quite fit us. So I just made up my own. How's that for independence? That is absolutely perfect for independence. So I know you say you're eclectic, but what does it look like in practice? Give me some examples. Sure. So for history, we leaned classical for quite a while, but we ended up hopping off that four-year cycle a couple of years ago because we were kind of done with the ancients. It's not really where our <laughs> interests in history lie. So back before we knew we'd be living through this pandemic, she actually asked to study um, the Black Death from the Middle Ages for her first high school history course. She really did enjoy the medieval years of that four-year cycle. So even though we jumped off of that classical four-year cycle, we still sort of dive back in a little bit. <clears throat> and this year, that's what we're going this fall, a deep dive into those plagues. So I make sure we still have a history course. You know, that's the classical part of me. But she does get a lot of say in what history it is and what history she wants to study. So actually, I guess we're both kind of asserting some independence there, um, me in not following the traditional public school history schedule, and then her in deciding what she actually wants to study. And I know I've said it before, um, we talked about it, that our literature and writing is mostly Brave Writer, which is fairly Charlotte Mason inspired. But this year, um, I developed a survey of English Lit myself because I couldn't really find anything out there that fit where I wanted to go with it. So I guess we kind of jumped 
jumped off that ship too. We're just out there paddling on our own this year. So I think overall, my eclectic style was definitely influenced by a variety of homeschooling philosophies, but I just declared independence, took the bits of each that suited us and created my own style because that's how I know that she's going to learn best. So, and what about you, Gina? I mean, we've talked about how you guys are have become more unschooly. So how did you arrive at that very independent style? That was really a gradual process for us. Um, when he was in elementary school and I was logging hours for the first time, I was so concerned we wouldn't have enough hours. Um, obviously, I couldn't have been more wrong. And I quickly realized we always had way more hours when, than we needed because I counted everything that I considered as learning. If he was learning something, I was jotting it down in our homeschool log. It was kind of a reverse engineering, um, like a reverse engineering a gadget or a gizmo where you take it apart to figure out how it works. And this was kind of reverse engineering in education. What all of the empirical evidence showed me was there was all, so much learning going on and it was more than when there was seat time happening. So by and large, I saw from the, the numbers that were adding up that it was almost to the point where I could ditch seat time entirely. And seeing that tangible proof of learning with my own eyes kind of helped me relax into homeschooling in a more unschooled way. It encouraged me to say, yeah, so what? It doesn't look like regular school. I'm the one in charge here. And I've got a kid who loves finding out new stuff. Isn't that another of our educational goals to get him hooked on learning things? I knew we wanted to see him him to see learning as something that was fun to do, um, to see reading as a fun way to learn new things, to see math as a way to talk about or describe the sciencey things that we were doing. And the more I saw how turning him loose allowed him to flourish and follow his passions, the more I saw this untraditional path. And it was only kind of after we were down the road a little bit that I realized that there was an actual name for what we were doing and there were other people that were doing it too. So, you know, there, there are still elements of traditional within the unschooliness, but even there, like you described with September, he's the one deciding what he wants to study. It's not us prescribing it to him. Right. You know, and I think that process of allowing our kids to take that ownership of their education, it really is probably one of the most daunting parts of, of declaring your homeschool independence. But you know, it is so exciting to watch it unfold. So, so far in our Declaration of Homeschool Independence, we've identified the goals for our family and we've done a little bit of work in figuring out our homeschool style. You know, both of those go a long way in creating a homeschool that's uniquely our own. But I do think there's one more thing to consider, and that's this. What is the focus of your homeschool? Yeah. And again, this is going to look different from ever, for everyone. But again, that's okay, because we've left behind the idea that our homeschool has to look like everyone else's. So think about it this way. If your homeschool goal is a spot on the horizon, whatever that spot happens to be, when you're looking at your homeschool um, that's that's the focus in the binoculars that you're using to look at the spot on the horizon. So a focus is the lens that you look through to see the goal and bring it into focus. What do you think your homeschool is, Kristen? Okay, I think our focus, you know, the, the little piece I'm looking at is the idea of fostering a love of lifelong learning, or at least knowing enough knowing enough to understand that learning is lifelong. I mean, that's kind of what I focus on. And that's what I, I really want to make clear as we move through our homeschool. So I've mentioned before that my daughter, September, and I are very 
different in terms of educational interests, and that's kind of putting it mildly. I'm very history and literature minded, and she's definitely more sciencey and artsy and creative. And you know, those interests may seem to be at odds with each other, but actually, the differences provide the perfect space to practice our focus. She sees me engaging alongside her in science and sees me continuing to learn new things, even though my formal schooling was finished a long time ago. So if you look at it, I'm actually living out that lifelong learning right in front of her. And I'm showing her it's always okay to try new things and learn new things. And maybe you'll understand it this time around. Hello, algebra. So, you know, in the same vein, (laughs) I encourage her to explore the things that she wants to learn more about. Even if it means that our homeschool classes don't really look much like you would find in traditional school. I mean, I've already mentioned that she enjoys exploring a good pandemic, even though history's not really her thing. And so along those same lines, we're on our third round of astronomy because she's just really drawn to it. It's just something that engages her interest and she she likes to learn more and more. We did hit it once in elementary. We hit it again in, in middle school, but she still wants to learn more. So here we are, dilated up again for high school. Obviously, it, it gets harder every time. We're not making those cute lap books that we made when she was in third grade, darn it. But now, you know, we're dragging out a telescope and we're diving deeper into the universe and we're going to explore time travel and black holes. And, you know, and even if she doesn't study astronomy in college, and I I really don't think she will, this is an area of learning that she'll probably dip into throughout her life. So what about you? What do you what do you think your particular focus for why it might be? All I'm going to say here is preach it, sister, because <laughs> I don't think that that school always needs to be fun. Um, there are lots of things in life that aren't fun, and we do need to do those things. I mean, there's always this point where you're going to have to clean the hair clog out of the shower. Nobody wants to do it, but it has to be done. But our homeschool is always focused on continuous learning. And so Wyatt has watched us work with difficult clients, teach ourselves new software and computer skills, struggle with what to do with a story or how to get something put together like a quilt. And learning new things and rising to those challenges is what we try to model for him. So our our homeschool focus is always about igniting and then nurturing that spark of learning, sort of like igniting sparklers on the 4th of July. In fact, It really is perfect when you think about it. What's the easiest way to light a sparkler? You can hold a lighter and wait and wait and wait until it gets going, or you can just light one sparkler off of another sparkler. And I really want our homeschool to be like a series of sparklers where we always light one thing off of another. And sometimes it means that there might be several sparklers that are tied together. So they all go off at once to make a huge light and um, illuminate the darkness that surrounds us, you know? You know, that is a truly gorgeous image, us sending our little sparks out into the world. Wow. I'm going to have to sit and think about that for a minute. So if you're ready to light up your own sparkler, just remember the three main ideas that we talked about today. Kind of outline your goals, discover your homeschool style, and identify your focus. And really, that's it. You're ready to declare homeschool independence. You don't have to dump the tea overboard a ship or fire off cannons, but you do have to know what you want and what's best for your family and then work toward creating that homeschool. You might make mistakes, but each time you try again. How's that for a place to close for this time? 
I think it's perfect. Um, so before we go, we would like to remind you to subscribe or review on iTunes or Stitchers or really any place that you listen to this podcast. Reviews really do help people find us and grow our community. So just go to your app and drop us a few kind words, please. We also hope you'll hang out with us on social media. As we've said, Facebook is probably our favorite platform. And we'd love to continue the podcast conversation with you. Maybe answer some questions we didn't address. Just search for our handle. We're Only Schoolers. And we also invite you to join our Only Schoolers Patreon community. It's a great way to support the podcast financially. And we have um, special content and giveaways and fun behind the scenes looks at the podcast. I promise it's a great time. And with that, I will say thank you for joining us today. Now go grab a sparkler and declare your homeschool independence.